0: Have you ever wondered why SLPs are so nervous when it comes to having conversations about money? Well, with tonight's guest, we are going to be talking with someone who, she's a speech pathologist and loves to talk openly about money. So let's welcome our next guest. Welcome to the Missing Link for SLPs podcast. Have you ever wished you could go back and tell your younger self a way to do something better or something that you've learned or gosh, just those words of wisdom that you would have loved to have known when you first started. That's what this series is all about. I am interviewing guests and we reflect back on their words of wisdom and what they didn't learn in grad school. I think you'll be surprised by each one of these episodes. So sit back, listen and enjoy. Hi Kara, and welcome to the Missing Leaf for SLPs podcast. Glad you were here to talk about finances for SLPs. Thank you. I am so excited. So I noticed right away you had an accent. Tell us where you are from and why you're an SLP.
1: I am from a small town in Arkansas, and I first wanted to be an SLP when I was in ninth grade. We had a journal in my English class that we had to write down. And I remember writing down that I wanted to be a speech language pathologist. And well, I originally wanted to be a kindergarten teacher, but I decided that that was too many kids for me to handle. And so I liked these smaller number of kids. I felt like I could deal with that better.
0: So ninth grade, wow, that's, that's early on, excellent. Did you know any SLPs?
1: Not really. <laughs> How'd you learn about being an SLP? I honestly don't remember. I, well, I take that back. I think my mom suggested it. I told cool. her, you know, I want to work with kids. And she said, what about speech pathology? And I said, okay. And that was kind of it.
0: Cool. Where'd you go to grad school?
1: I went to grad school at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences in Little Rock.
0: All right. And have you always practiced in Arkansas? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, there's <laughs> I love the cultural differences, just the, the area, different areas of the country. And you've worked with kids.
1: Yes. Uh, for the first seven years of my working career, I was in a private, it was kind of birth to five years, but it was kind of six months was the youngest we got. And then for the past almost five years, I have been working with, it's an educational cooperative. I don't know Mm -hmm. if they have those everywhere, but in Arkansas they do. And so I travel between different preschools around my area. We
0: have them up in Minnesota too. Okay. So they're, they're a great thing. So you're on the podcast, What I Didn't Learn in Grad School. And we met through Instagram and you're like, I can talk about finances because there's so many things that you know, I went through grad school and I love to talk things finances. So tell us a little bit about how you got into the financial aspect or the, just the financial realm and why that piqued your interest.
1: Well, coming out of grad school, I felt like I made, you know, a fair amount of money, I guess, compared to not having a job at all. Mm So I pretty much bought whatever I wanted. I, I wasn't extravagant by any means, but I traveled, I ate out all the time. Uh, I did save, but I pretty much did whatever I wanted. And then once I met my husband and we got married, he had a truck note and student loans. Mm -hmm. And I did not like owing money to anybody else. So we quickly paid those off. And from then on, I just had this mentality that I would rather save for something that I can do in the future than be making a payment on something I bought in the past.
0: It's a good healthy mindset with money with making money work for you. We know as SLPs we don't always we're definitely not at the top of the pay scale. How how did you shift from eating out and traveling and things like that to then realizing you needed to save more to pay things off?
1: Well, I mean, to be fair, we still travel a little bit and we still eat out a fair amount. But that's that, that mm-hmm. I choose to spend money on. Um, I don't care about a fancy car. I guess we, we decide what we want to spend money on. And for me, those were at the top of my list. So we'd still do that. But I was just kind of able to calm down my spending and my husband's spending and focus on saving towards retirement and future vehicles and a house and all those big money purchases.
0: How did you learn about budgeting and do you use any budget apps?
1: I have a Mint. It's M-I-N-T. Oh, Mint. Got it. Yeah. Felt like my accent might be difficult. And that kind of just puts all of my financial accounts in one spot. For budgeting, I am not as nitpicky as I probably should be, but we pretty much say our credit card should not be above this and have you know our other expenses lined out. And so I try not to go above those marks, but I have certain debits from my banking account for our savings. So Everything is automated, which makes it so much easier for me, and that makes me save and invest automatically
0: so what I hear you saying is that you're on top of your finances yes, so you have you have ways, whether it's through an app or something that you keep track of what goes in, what goes out. How often do you pay attention to that? Is it a daily or a weekly monthly
1: uh-huh. I do daily, and I think that's probably overkill for most people, but I update. I also have a sheet of paper that lists all of uh, our bank accounts, our investments, different things, so that if something happens to me or my husband, that somebody will know what all accounts we have, and so I update that kind of yearly. I I might update it periodically if we get a new account or if something changes, but I do that probably yearly. And then I, I looked at my fans, my finances daily for sure.
0: Okay, cool. Um, So in your bio, you have some words in there that you say you want to be work optional by the age of 50. What does work optional mean?
1: That means that I can work if I want to, and I'm not dependent on that paycheck. So Ultimately, by becoming work optional, I will have other avenues of earning money that exceed what I would earn in a, quote, nine to five position. So I can still be an SLP, but maybe I could go down to part time or do pro bono work or, you know, something where I'm not so set on having a paycheck that I could yeah, be more flexible with what I do.
0: So a lot of SLPs rolling into the field now are a little disheartened by the pay. Do you, I mean, you seem to be very successful with your pay and taking care of the bills that you need to, still traveling, still eating out. You've got three little ones at home. You, you do all right.
1: I do, and we do. I feel like my pay as an SLP is, pretty good. But I am kind of contract. I have a definite job. And so I'm not trying to go out and get my own clients or anything like that. But I don't have any benefits. And that was Mm -hmm. something that I was okay. I was, I was willing to take more money to offset not having benefits. And that was something that I looked at whenever I first was offered this job. She told me what my hourly rate would be. And I said, okay, but what would it be if I was salary? And she said, oh, most people don't ask me that. They just go for the contract pay. And so I compared what I would get paid per hour versus what I would get paid salary and what benefits might come with that and what that would equate. And for me, it was more beneficial for me to be the contract pay because I'm on top of my finances and I will invest on my own. For people who might need a pension, then that's, that might work for them. But for me, I, I opted to go with the contract pay.
0: How did you learn about the different options for contract pay versus some of the things that you're talking about? Not Not everybody, especially fresh uh, and new SLPs know about these options? Where'd you learn?
1: Uh, well, I guess the, my boss is the one who told me about it. Uh, those were really my only options for getting paid, either do the contract or do the hourly. So I didn't really have to research it. I was hourly at my previous job, although I did have benefits. Uh, I think it kind of varies from job position to job position.
0: So so learning and asking Yes. So my husband is, uh, he's retired now, but he was in the business field. And I was kind of in the same situation where you were. I'm like, I had a contract and I was switching over to salary. The contract position had no benefits or anything else like that. So it was significantly higher. Right. So when I was switching over to salary and I'm like, well, I'm just, I'm not sure what ballpark I need to be in. And he said, if you take, now this is Minnesota. If you take your contract position, take away approximately 25 to 30% of that, and that puts you around your hourly wage with benefits. So that can be a a benchmark for people, but really asking and learning and in understanding you have options.
1: And it would be great for people to talk to other speech pathologists in Mm -hmm. that area. I think we have a stigma of not being willing to talk about what we make or what we're spending money on. And I don't know if that's because people are embarrassed or because they just don't really care. But I've seen people can negotiate their salary or their wage. And how are they going to know what to negotiate if somebody doesn't say, well, hey, I'm making this much or something. So I really wish people, speech pathologists in general, would talk about you know, what they're doing in the finance world so that we can all help each other.
0: Mm -hmm. I know Asha puts out salary ranges and and income information, but they're, they're ranges and they're not always specific. How would you open up some of those conversations about those initial conversations?
1: Well, it seems like every time I talk about retirement with my coworkers, they tend to roll their eyes. And so... I kind of know who is willing to talk about it versus who is Mm -hmm. not. And I have a friend who is not a speech pathologist, but she was talking uh, to me and we talk about finances and I asked what her savings rate was, meaning um, Mm -hmm. out of what their gross income is, how much does she and her husband save? And she told me, and it kind of lit a fire under me because I was thinking, well, if they can save that much, then maybe I can save that much. So it's it's meant to be an encouragement, not um, a, I'm better than you, or I make more than you, but I I feel like we should be able to work together and help each other do the best that they can financially.
0: I like that. I like that. Maybe I've heard, um, gosh, I lived in a town before where there were, um, and I go to one now, a women's business club. And there's a side shoot off of it where there's a women's finance club. And their primary thing is empowering women in the financial world to make decisions, which is really important. Um, I find your story interesting about you keeping track of all your investments in case something happens to you. And something did happen to me when my, my first husband died. And I was so... Uh, that, that here's everything was so important at a time when I couldn't think clearly. So excellent, excellent suggestion on organizing your finances, being on top of your finances, having those honest, transparent conversations with those who are willing to have those conversations, taking the ball or taking the lead and educating yourself. Good
1: suggestions. Have, uh, my husband is not good at finances. And he knows that he, he will be the first to tell you. And so I also have, I call it an idiot proof list of also <laughs> our passwords and pretty much everything he would need to know again, specifically if something happens to me, because you're right. I mean, if your head isn't mm-hmm. thinking clearly, you might not know everything that's out there and mm-hmm. I would pay for one account or Multiple accounts to be lost and him not be able mm-hmm. to cash those out when it would benefit him.
0: And usually, once the money's gone, the money's gone. To make more money, you have to give either your time, your talent, or money to make more money. So be wise. I think um, uh, Benjamin Franklin once said, A fool and his money are soon parted. Good quote. Good quote. What was the biggest financial shock to you post grad school?
1: When I got out, after I worked a year, I was allowed to join the 401k program at my first job. But when it came time for me to decide how much to contribute percentage-wise versus what should I invest in, nobody could help me. I asked the speech pathologist that I worked with. I also worked with OTs and PTs, and I asked them what they did. And they pretty much said, oh, I did whatever they told me to, or mm-hmm. I did what my husband said. And nobody could explain to me why or what or any specifics. So I remember looking on Pinterest and I tried to find a checkpoint of you should have this much saved by this age, or you should have this much, you know, some type of guideline that would tell me whether or not I was on the right path. And what it was, by the time you were 67, they suggested you have eight times your yearly salary. And this, is, this was put out by Fidelity. Granted, it was 12 years ago, so I'm sure it's changed. And I thought, I don't want to work till I'm 67. I don't want to be dependent on you know having to work if I am unable or am burned out. And so I always tried to kind of speed up and to be ahead of what those checkpoints were.
0: Smart, smart, smart moves. Um, A minute ago, we were talking about how much to save. You were talking with no T. What is your benchmark for saving to get you to the point where you don't have to work till you're 67?
1: Right now for this year, my goal is 35% Savings. And when I say savings, I mean investing mm-hmm. towards um our retirement accounts, other accounts, but all of that is in the stock market. And that is what I feel comfortable doing. I'm I know enough about the stock market, I believe, and I feel comfortable in that. Last year I think I did 30%. But I'm again each time, each year I'm thinking, hey, maybe I can up it a little bit, you know, just little by little so that. I'm not making a huge jump so that maybe it is not as noticeable on the day-to-day.
0: I like the proactive approach you take. You're very forward-thinking. This year, I'm going to do this, and maybe next year, I can tweak it here, tweak it there. But you're really on top of things.
1: Well, thank you. And it's odd, as somebody who first comes out of grad school, for them to even have the mindset of, hey, I just graduated, but let's think about your retirement it's kind of messed up in a way because you want for them to enjoy their career. But those, those beginning years are critical to building wealth. And the longer you have your money invested, the more money you'll have because it has longer more years and compound interest will acquire. And if you look at a compound interest chart, I mean, it's amazing. To see what your money could be versus what it is over a 30 year time span based on what you put in versus what it grows. Because then, like you said, your money is making its own money essentially. Right.
0: So, explain to those who don't know what a compound interest chart is.
1: Well, you can Google compound interest chart and type in if I put in $500 each month, and I think my interest rate will be, say, 7%, you can see how it will grow. And I think it will also show you what amount is what you have put in. So let's say you do that. I don't have the numbers in front of me, and I don't want to lie to you. But essentially, you could put in $30,000 over a time span, and then it would make its own $30,000 in about 10 years. That's seven that right. I think right. that is
0: right. Right. So many of the listeners in this podcast are in graduate school or they're just transitioning out and they've not had this is their first professional job. So you know I kind of smiled at the beginning. You're like, yeah, I had this job and I had this money and we did this. And you get this Bit of this head rush, I think, when you get this job with this money because you're not in grad school and you're just like, you know, you're not living on ramen and things like that. Um, and how wise it is to say, Yes, I have this money, and here's what I'm going to do for my future because I'm now adulting, and this is just a really wise financial choice, right? So, start from the beginning, know your compound interest charts, budget when you well, I think, I think we all need to, everybody, I know budgets. Well, not everybody, but yeah, but in budget, you know, and just be smart with where your money's going. So we mentioned before about a stigma regarding talking about finances and you're like, I don't know, it's because people don't care or, or, you know, tell us a little bit more what your thoughts about the stigma.
1: And I mentioned that i talk to people about finances. And these are my friends, you know, my speech pathology friends that i talk to about Mm -hmm. other things. And one time I mentioned retiring in regards to, I hope I retire by this age. And somebody said, oh, I don't think I'll ever retire because they can't. And that Mm -hmm. just made me so sad because I think you can. Mm -hmm. Not everybody is dealt the same cards. Some people come out with a whole lot of student loans. Some people come out with no student loans. And that may slow them down. But I still think that everybody can invest if they work hard and teach themselves what is important about investing. You spend 40 plus hours a week, most people, with a full-time job earning your money. But then how much time do you spend figuring out or knowing where your money goes or is going. I don't know that there's a set number of hours, but I do think that you should spend a fair amount of time researching and reading and trying to figure out what is the best avenue for you to invest your money for your future.
0: How did you develop the discipline to save and be on top of your finances?
1: I think ultimately I learned it from my mom. She I would see her on a Sunday night doing her budget and trying to figure out her finances. I remember she paid off her house and my dad too, but my mom's the main one who does finances. I think that's where I get it from. They paid off their house in seven years so that they could cash flow my sister's college and my college. And my mom told me that she would pay for five years of my college. Well, mm-hmm. you know that undergrad is typically four years with grad school being two years. And I knew I wanted to be a speech pathologist. And so I, I sat down and I said, how am I going to make this in five years? And so I was able to graduate from my undergrad in three years. I took summer classes. I had some hours coming in. I was very goal oriented. And I think part of that is my personality, but I didn't want to have to pay for school if I didn't have to. So I tried to set myself up for success in that regard.
0: I love being able to have these open, honest conversations about something that, you know, some people do consider taboo. And I agree that we should have more of these conversations and help one another out, learn from one another and draw inspiration from one another. Like what you just said, I was smart with my money. I had my my roadmap planned out from undergrad all the way through grad school and and really planning those things out.
1: Just like in therapy, if I find a technique that works or a great resource that my kids love, I'm going to share it. Mm -hmm. You know, I would want for people to have the same experience. It's not a competition. And Mm -mm. just because I have money doesn't mean that you can't have money and vice versa. I mean, I can cheer you on. Because how much you make does not affect me. And I wish we could cheer each other for financial monuments, just like we do for products or therapy ideas or something. Because on Instagram, I I work with preschool. So young kids, if there's an idea on Instagram and somebody shares it, it goes like wildfire. You know, Mm -hmm. everybody says, oh, that's a great idea. Let me try it. And I know it's not all the same with finances because not everything is going to work for everybody. But just if I, I wish people would be aware of where their money is going and what they can do with their money, because time that you spend in the stock market, you need that time. And the longer time you wait on the sidelines, I mean, you're missing out on the compound interest, like what i talked about earlier.
0: I, you know, I mentioned before that I know people who budget and people who don't budget. And I, I recently had spent some time with some people who don't budget. And it made me so grateful for my position as an SLP because I am so rewarded by what I do and and who I work with and and the reason why we do what we do. Yet so many SLPs feel the the pinch and the squeeze, and they lose some of their their drive and they get over over um, burdened and stressed out and and burned out. Do you have any words of financial wisdom for them?
1: I personally am a better mom, speech pathologist, person in general, when I am not stressed about money. Mm-hmm. To me, I feel like money is something that I can control to a certain extent. I, My husband and I have an emergency fund. And so if something happens, an emergency, whatever that may be, we can dip into that and not be so concerned about money that I am stressed about everything else. I don't want for my stress with finances to overflow into other aspects of my life. So if, it, if at all possible, get an emergency fund and save just enough so that you are not living paycheck to paycheck. I, I tell myself that I kind of live paycheck to paycheck because mm-hmm. I take my entire paycheck and will invest it. And once it hits my, my checking account, I'm instantly shoveling it off into other accounts. So mm-hmm. I want my paycheck as soon as I can get it. But I also have that emergency fund to fall back on. So when a car breaks down, it's, oh, I I saved for this. I didn't know what I was saving for, but I'm prepared.
0: And I'm not as stressed out. And I can make better decisions because financially I'm healthier. Yes. So budget, save money for an emergency fund. Have a healthy chunk of your savings, of your budget, of not your budget, have a healthy chunk of your paycheck going towards savings and learn and educate where and how to invest in that savings, taking into the account, the compound um, interest chart.
1: Yes. And I was not taught specifically finances and investing. A lot of what I have learned, I've learned from books. Mm-hmm. I've learned from Instagram, actually. I'm essentially self-taught, but it's it yeah. interests- me. And there are so many resources on Instagram, in books, because of the internet. I mean, there's so many people out there who have an opinion, who will share their opinion. And you might go through somebody and not agree with what they say or think, oh, that's not right for me. But there are free resources out there. So just because you have not been taught, it's not an excuse as to why you can't make good choices in the future.
0: I totally agree. Go teach yourself. Go learn. Yes. So you have an Instagram page geared towards SLPs and finance. Can you tell us about that? Well,
1: it it hasn't been going for too long. I kind of just got to the point where people would roll their eyes when I tried to talk about finances. So I thought, well, maybe somebody out there cares about finances to follow a page of mine. And so I started it and essentially I I track my monthly expenses and say what I'm investing in. Well, what categories I'm investing in. I don't share my specific investments, but I go through and each month I say, uh, my husband and I save for our retirement accounts, we save in or invest in 529s for my kids' Mm -hmm. college. We also have what I call a gap fund. Some people call it an FU fund, Mm -hmm. but that is for if I want to retire prior to 59 and a half when I can pull out my IRA money, that will kind of bridge the gap there. And then I have a house and a car investment account.
0: So very clear in where your money's going. Yes. very on top of things. All right. So last question, since this is the, what I didn't learn in graduate school series, what is one thing that you did not learn in graduate school that you want our listeners to know?
1: Just start early. The earlier you can start, the better you'll be. If you're not used to making, or if you set aside $500 a month, if you can do that when you start out, you'll never miss it. If you, you know, from your first paycheck, if you say, this is what I'm going to save or invest, and that money could be even more money to pay off student loans. Whatever you decide to do, just pick a number and then slowly try to increase it, you know, little by little. And once you see your money start to grow, it's addicting. I I get so excited if I get Christmas money I buy investments. If I get birthday money, I buy investments. I mean, that is what brings me joy because I feel like I am investing in my future. Like future Kara will be very appreciative of past Kara who put her money in this. And so I think you'll be impressed at what your money does on its own if you talk or if you learn about compound interest and index funds. I think those two things will be very beneficial for you to research.
0: There you go. Financial advice from a real practicing SLP. Thank you so much, Kira, for your time.
1: Thank you, Maddie.
0: I hope today's conversation has created some aha moments for you and motivated you to become a better SLP continuing to connect some of those missing links between what you know and how to use that knowledge. Thank you for downloading the Missing Link for SLP's podcast, and if you enjoyed the show, I'd love you to subscribe, rate it, and leave a short review. Also, please share an episode with a friend. Together, we can raise awareness and help more SLPs find and connect those missing links and get the information needed to help them feel confident in their patient care every step of the way. Follow me on Instagram and join the Fresh SLP community on Facebook. Show notes are always available, so come learn more at freshslp.com. Let's make those connections. You got this.